Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Bob Rathman joining you from New York. We're on the road this week, just two weeks away from Selection Sunday. And as you know, the calendar has flipped into March, so this is prime time for us and our awards are starting to be rolled out. And we want to remind everybody that coming up next week, we'll be revealing our Jersey Mike's Naismith Boys and Girls High School Player of the Year and High School Coach of the Year. So make sure that you are following us on the social media channels of X and Instagram and get the announcements when they happen. And we'll have another special podcast for you next week around those awards. But coming up on our show this week, get a chance to spend some time with a dear friend. I had a chance to call his games when he was at Duke during their Final Four heyday back in the late 80s and early 90s. Big man in the middle, Allah Abdul Nabi, will be joining me here in just a moment. Some great stories. Uh, he's a broadcaster, of course, these days, still in the college game at Westwood One Radio, but also in the NBA as he's the analyst for the Philadelphia 76ers on NBC Sports in Philadelphia. Just a wonderful guy. Known him forever and love the dude, and I think you will too after you hear this interview. He had at Duke one of the greatest lines I have ever heard a player use in college basketball. <laughs> Talking about his academic run at Duke University, and I may be paraphrasing Allah, he said, the only way I made five A's at Duke was when I signed my name. <laughs> it, I can't wait for you to hear this interview with Allah. That's coming up in just a moment. Jersey Mike's news and notes as we get started on the weekend. Not sure when you're catching us, but if it's Saturday night, then dial in ESPN 8 o'clock Eastern time as number five Tennessee takes on number seven Alabama. Huge game in terms of seating, huge games in terms of the SEC, and that will be Saturday night. And then Sunday on the women's side, couple of games to call your attention to at noon. It'll be Tennessee at South Carolina. And what makes that significant? Dawn Staley and the Gamecocks, with a win, will have back-to-back undefeated regular seasons. How remarkable is that in this day and age of college basketball? And Sunday at 1 o'clock on Fox, it's going to be Iowa hosting Ohio State. And, of course, with the announcement this week that Caitlin Clark will be going, going into the pros This will be her final home game. There will not be a dry eye in the arena at Carver-Hawkeye on Sunday afternoon. That's 1 o'clock, and it's on Fox. Ohio State taking on Iowa in Caitlin Clark's final home game. My conversation with Allah Abdelnabi after this from Jersey Mike's. Once you get the meat and cheese for your sub freshly sliced right in front of you at Jersey Mike's, I'll tell you, There's no going back to anything else. That'd be like going back to dial-up internet. (sighs) Am I connecting to space to order Jersey mics? Any day now. Okay, it's about to connect. What? Who picked up the phone? Nope. There's no going back once you see it freshly sliced at Jersey mics. A sub above. A pleasure to catch up with one of my favorite people on the entire planet. Ala Abdelnabi joins us from Philadelphia, and we have so much ground to cover. But first and foremost, thank you for doing this for us, big guy. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, my God, Bob. I, could never, uh, I can't ever say no to you, one, because we go back so far. You and I, our paths crossed back in the late 80s when I was still in college and you were doing games. And so to have, uh, have the opportunity to sit down with you all these many years later, uh, it's a blessing, my man. It's good to be with you. Well, 
Thank you. And I feel the same way. Uh, we catch you on this Saturday on a very special day, and it ties into <laughs> what I want to talk to you a little bit about with your basketball journey. But I understand there's a very special birthday in your family today. Yeah, my my dad is hitting the big 9-1 today, 91 years old, and uh, I'm just so blessed to have him. He's been my hero my whole entire life, and uh, to have him around when I'm turning 56 this June is an absolute gift from God. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to spending the entire day with him, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some trips down memory lane this afternoon when we sit down together. So take us back uh, with Dad and Mom, and here we come to the States when you are basically a toddler. Uh, What was the story? Well, so the story was, Bob, my mom and dad were um, educated people. My dad is an engineer. My mom is in computer science. And um, I, I'm not sure a lot of Americans are aware of this, but what America, our country, will do from time to time is they will go um, and look all over the world for intellectual power, um, intelligent people, people that will add uh, to the United States. So there was an ad that the U.S. government had put out in Egypt looking for people with advanced degrees and people that were willing to move and kind of chase the American dream. My dad had read the art, uh, the ad, and immediately, uh, even before I was born, his plan was once I was born to take mom and I and head to the States. So before I was even born, he applied. Um, they got married and then... Um, I came along, and he came uh, by himself for a year to kind of set the table for us. So he came in 1970, and me and my mom came a year later in 1971, and uh, they were searching for a better life, and I think they would tell you that um, they achieved that, thankfully. And growing up uh, in New Jersey, a prep career that was just fantastic led you to Duke University. Uh, I wanted to ask you why Duke. What what made you choose Duke? <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story because um, again, my folks were all about education. That is, to them as immigrants, it was the most, it was the safest way to achieve success, to almost guarantee success in this country. So for them, education was everything. So how did I end up at Duke? Well, it was because I had to explain to my folks the fact that. The Ivy League schools didn't give scholarships out. They only gave grants out. Um, So you would still have to come out of pocket and pay. And we just weren't in a position to do that. So I remember the letters from Harvard coming and having to tell her that Harvard isn't going to be the place we wind up going. Um, Harvard, for most immigrants, is one of the few schools that you know about outside of the United States. They'd never heard of Duke University before. But Duke was a compromise. Um, they were insistent on me taking the academic path, and I wanted to play in the NBA. So they said, we have to send you to the next available school that you can go to for free. And of all the offers out there, um, the best combination of both, basketball and school, I found that I stumbled upon Duke University. It, it turned out okay. It turned out okay. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you played, obviously, for a remarkable coach. Uh, teammates that are 
just as, as famous in the history of college basketball as any group of players. And the experience, I would think, Olive, um, as you look back on the entirety of it uh, from the basketball standpoint, uh, set the sail for you for life. Absolutely, Bob. And I think it would have been enough, more than enough, to uh, have just gained from being at Duke for the four years I was there. What I mean is those four years were some of the best four years of my life. Um, but it, it still keeps on giving me uh, gifts. I still benefit from being a Duke graduate and playing on those teams back then. You mentioned it. There's guys all around now that are still benefiting from it. Quinn uh, Snyder, your head coach in Atlanta, my former teammate for three years, uh, he's one of uh, many others that you'll see in the NBA landscape, whether it's Grant Hill, uh, Bobby Hurley's in college. Uh, there are a bunch of guys, Elton Brand, Danny Ferry. There are a bunch of guys that I got a chance to cross paths with that made my life better, made me better as a basketball player and a person. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that I still – my job now I have – because of the four years I spent at Duke. When I talk on camera during games, the terminology that I use is Coach K's terminology because I got a chance to sit uh, for a four-year class with the best professor of basketball there is in the land. So um, all those things that were given to me in those four years, I still take with me. I still use to this day. And it's still changes the way people look at you when you say, hey, I went to Duke or I played for Coach K. Um, those are things that kind of raise eyebrows a little bit. And those are things that are continue to be a source of pride for me. Speaking of broadcasting, you had as incredible an entry into our profession as any broadcaster ever has. Tell us the story about working in the 1995 NBA All-Star Game. <laughs> That's a great story because I was thrown into the deep end there. I'm playing with the Sacramento Kings at the time. I didn't make the All-Star team, so I was free for the All-Star weekend. And uh, the, NBA <laughs> offices, yeah, the NBA offices in New York get a call um, from a Arab-speaking uh, television station from – Europe, but they broadcast to the Middle East. It was out of Rome at the time. Uh, the company was called Orbit Radio and, and uh, TV Satellite or Satellite TV. Um, and they called the office, and the question they had for the NBA was, does anybody in the league speak Arabic? Um, well, there was only one. So it was an easy, it was an easy <laughs> uh, filtering out process, if you will. So I guess a day or two later, I got a call, and the call was basically, would you be interested in doing TV for this Arabic station? And I had never thought about it before. I had never considered it. I was still in the middle of my playing career, so I wasn't yet looking at the next stage or what life would look like after basketball. Um, but I said, you know what? I'm free. This is a great opportunity. Um, it would be a chance to also go to the All-Star game, which I hadn't gone to. It was in Phoenix, which wouldn't have been a bad place to spend a week. So everything kind of looked easy and looked welcoming. Um, I get there, Bob, and I find out that the host, who is supposed to basically run everything, and I'm his sidekick for the week, he couldn't clear customs in, uh, in Europe. So he couldn't come to the States. 
So there was no host for the whole week. And Allah, who had never done TV before at all, had to do everything that week. <laughs> right? So I'm doing interviews. I'm doing leads and tags to pieces, things I've never – I don't even know the terminology for. I've never heard of a lead or a tag before. Um, so I'm out there in the middle of Phoenix doing all these little stand-ups. I remember doing an interview with Cal Ripken, Jr., and at that time, if you recall, he was going through his game record streak that he was playing for the Orioles. And so I went up to him and just tried to break the ice and said, hey, would you mind um, sitting down with me for a little bit? And he said, I'll do it as long as we don't talk about the streak. And I said, I don't care about the streak. I, you know, I just want to sit down and talk to Cal Ripken Jr. So we sat and we talked and the interview went well. He was pleased with it. And we've kind of like just been hit it off ever since. Whenever I see him, if and I get a chance to see him, that's the one thing we get to share, the fact that he remembers how uncomfortable I was, how I was sweating all over him trying <laughs> to get these questions out. And I looked nervous, and he couldn't have been more accommodating, more comforting, and I really appreciated that from him. That from anyone, let alone a superstar like him who is living right at that moment, probably the you know the, the most high-profile pro time of his career. Um, so for him to sit down with me for a good hour and comfort me, um, those are things I'll cherish for a long time. And one of the many memories I've had in this career, yes, but that was the start right there. The only reason why they asked me back, Bob, full disclosure, was because I was able to get all 25 of the All-Stars to say, for example, hi, I'm Michael Jordan, and you're watching Orbit TV. So I got all 25 of them to do that, whether it was Akeem or Patrick, because they all knew me, of course. Um, and so I got them all to do that. And I guess when they went back and checked all the tapes and reviewed everything, they said, well, he stinks, but he's got great access. So we'll work with him. <laughs> and so, so that was how it started. I was awful. I was thrown into the deep end. Oh, God, I made so many mistakes. We had to do things over and over again because I was bad. But throughout all that, Bob, I caught the bug. As hard as it was, as difficult as it was, as much sweat as I, as I laid out on my clothes that week, um, it was something about it. When I got on the plane going home back to Sacramento, I was just intrigued. I didn't know yet that it would be my future, but I liked it. I liked the challenge. I liked the challenge of doing something new, something difficult, something that I thought I could be decent at. Um, and I'm also a ham, so getting a camera on you with lights isn't a bad thing either. <laughs> so here, I, here we are. All these years later, I'm still doing the same thing. Well, and you, it is a duck of water because your positivity just shines through. You love the game. You love people. You love storytelling, and and that all comes out in your broadcast, and it's it's just great. And uh, you're a credit to our business it. for sure. I appreciate uh, it, buddy. Still, I'm having the time still, of my life. Oh, good, because it comes across. Uh, you're you. still close to it, of course. Uh, your day job with the 76ers uh, takes you through an entire NBA season, but you you still got your hand on the college game. We hear you from time to time on Westwood One, and and uh, wish we heard you more on college basketball. Uh -huh. Now, I wanted to ask you this as we get geared up for March around here. Of course, this is our high time of the awards coming up. 
But I just wanted to get your take on the state of the college game, if you would, what you're seeing today versus when you played with with Quinn and Danny and Grant and, and those Duke teams. Well, I think there's, there's marked differences, things you notice when you're looking at those two different eras. I think the players now are, at times, specific to their skills. They're more capable. They can do more things than guys did 30, 35 years ago. But I don't think that they're as knowledgeable with the game. I don't think that they know the game of basketball as well as they need to. And how could they, Bob? They spend basically six to eight months in college compared to my four years under Coach K. That's a clear advantage for me because I got the chance for four years like, it took me two years to figure out how he wanted to play defense. So if you're not able to even go two years, that goes by. You miss out on that. So now these guys are coming in here. And I can tell you, just traveling with the Sixers and looking at other teams, and you know this, working with the Hawks, I mean, when we fly now, we fly, like, with 60-plus people. There are – endless massage therapists and strength and conditioning coaches and the assistant coaches with player development, those are all necessary when they weren't in the past because you have to teach more on this level than you ever had to do, especially back in, you know, the era when I played. We had guys who were, like, all of them had spent four years in college. All of them have been extensively taught how to play the game. That is not the case now. And then you're adding to it that you're bringing in inexperienced guys who are still learning the game and you're throwing them in to the highest level of basketball there is on the planet. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask of these guys. And they, I believe, come in a little under-equipped. Um, and that's why you see the game the way it is now, because it's simplified. You either shoot threes, you get layups, and that's basically it. Anything in between, like post-ups, the mid-range game, those are things that are tolerated, but they're not the things that are celebrated anymore. It's just a different kind of game right now. Um, yeah, if you like threes, the NBA is for you. Our Jersey Mike's Naismith Trophy winner for the men has been bigs lately, Ala. You had Zach Eady last year, odds on favorite to win it again this year. Oscar Sheboy at Kentucky, Luca Garza at Iowa, and yet those guys who years ago would have been celebrated as high draft picks in the NBA to come into our into the professional ranks, you know, these guys are, are you know, Sheboy's in the G League, Garza's a borderline guy. Who knows what's going to happen with Edie? Uh, why, why is that? Why is, is it just because of the lack of um, uh, uh, offensive uh, preference that uh, – kind of is uh, against these guys coming out of college because these guys have dominated college basketball. They absolutely have, and you're right. And I think what it speaks to, Bob, is the difference between the two levels. I think in college you can put your hands on people more. You can be, believe it or not, a little bit more physical. They let you get away with that. When you get to the pro level, you can't touch anybody. And I think the other thing, and, I, and this reminds me of a conversation I had with Coach K about maybe seven, eight years ago. When I asked him, I said, you know, can I play for you nowadays, the way you're recruiting guys um, as opposed to the way I played for you and the way we played back in the late 80s, early 90s? And he said, you'd have to shoot the three more. 
you'd have to learn to play with your back, you know, facing uh, the basket, as opposed to when I played, most of it was back to the basket. You'd also have to learn how to go out on the floor and defend at the three-point line. Something, Bob, I never did in my four years at Duke. If, the, if one of my guys went out to the top of the key, it was for a pressure release to just to be a, a, a make a passer to be available for passes. You didn't go out there and play him. You left him out there. Now, with the guys, the fours and the fives in college, you have to go out there and play him because they can knock down those threes, or at least they're hunting for those threes. Um, and you know, I think back to the days when I played – Christian Leitner was an anomaly. Now everybody has to play like Christian Leitner, where you play face up, where you knock down threes. He was unique back then, but now it's commonplace. So it kind of just shows you how the game has evolved over the years. It has become a vastly different game than what I'm used to seeing 30, 35 years ago. But that's to be expected. Olive, this has been fantastic. Well, I love spending time with you, buddy. Any time with Bob Rathman is a good time. <laughs> and you got a birthday party to go to, so uh, <laughs> we're going to let you go. But thanks so much. We love seeing you on the air, even better when we see you in person. And thanks for being a part of the of the Naismith Trophy voting uh, and, and still being involved with college basketball because we need guys like you. I appreciate it, Bob. Great spending time with you. And as always, I wish you the very best, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Same to you. Hey, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you download and subscribe. Helps us get the word out to college fans everywhere. And we are in high gear here in Atlanta at the Naismith Awards. Our rollout is coming out here in March and April. Of course, the Final Four cannot wait. High School Awards next week, so join us for that. Until then, Bob Rathbun saying so long.